Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Happy New Year. It's a new start to another year, and it's really cool to be able to start the year on a Sunday, worshiping with you guys, drawing near to God together. I'm Nate Wagner. I'm one of the pastors here at Portico, and this is a season of planning, of making plans, of preparing for improvements and preparing for things that are new. And I thought this would be a great chance to see what God thinks about all that. And what if I told you guys that this year, if you believe enough, that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? <laughs> Dang it. You guys are too well trained. I can't sneak anything by you. Unfortunately, that is something that a lot of people will hear and will believe, especially this time of year in churches all across the world. They will think that this year, if they believe enough, that God will actually bring them earthly blessing that corresponds to the measure of their faith. And there's a lot of Bible verses that seem to say just that. They seem to say that God wants to give you that blessing, and what he wants in exchange for that blessing is your faith, your faithfulness. So what's wrong with that? We're going to dig into that this morning. We're going to take a look at that principle and try and uncover the kernel of truth that is there, but then also give it its proper context. And then, and only then, will we actually see how that principle actually can inform and show us not only what God thinks of our plans for this year, but what his plans are for us this year. And so we're going to be just looking at one verse, and it's a popular one that you've probably seen on Instagram or on a coffee mug. Um, that you guys are probably familiar with. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And it says this. <clears throat> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for another year, a year that we can um, draw near together, that we can continue to rely on your provision in our lives, a year that we can continue to trust you for everything that we have. And so, Lord, as we draw near to you this morning, I ask that you would guide us, that you would shape us, that you would inform us of how you want us to respond to your plan for our lives, how you want us to cooperate and partner with you in it. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a season for planning. It's also a season for reflecting. And I was very reflective this year. I had some time to reflect, um, some downtime. And so I took that opportunity to think back on, especially the last three years, 
And I don't know why three years was prominent for me, but it was. And so three years ago, three and a half years ago, I remember sitting down with Johnny, and we were kind of looking into the future of our church. Like, what is Portico going to be like? What is our church going to be like? And if you remember, if you were here three and a half years ago, we were meeting in a building over on Vermont Street in Boston. Have you guys seen that building? I haven't because it's gone. It's a hole in the ground now. But when me and Johnny sat down, we sat down with the intention of wanting to actually buy that building. And so we sat down and we started planning. And we were seeking the Lord. We were saying, Lord, we think that a building, a permanent worship location, is something that would bless our church, something that we would use for your glory. And this is a place that seems like it fits us a little bit. And so we started making some plans, and we started kind of imagining what that future would look like. And we were preparing to kind of cast that vision to the church to show you guys what we were seeing and to kind of kick off a season of preparing to be able to buy that building and to make it our own, to make it our home. And then March of 2020 happened. And we were planning to start this in April of 2020. And March of 2020, if you remember, is when everything shut down and stopped. And so we had, we had some questions to ask and to answer. What are we going to do with our plans? What are we going to do with the plans that we had that we brought before the Lord that we thought he was leading us into with a new context. And we had different options. We could have just like, okay, let's just like push forward. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's try and raise money right now to do this. But when we thought about that, it didn't seem like it fit the season anymore. The pandemic had brought an immense amount of hurt, an immense amount of uncertainty, of fear, of anxiety. And so to just kind of like blow over that, pretend like that wasn't happening and say like, yeah, we're going to buy this building that seems way above our ability to acquire and ask you guys to jump on board with us on that, it didn't seem right anymore. And so we did the digital version of a burning in effigy of that document. <laughs> we had this document, and we were like, we just spent, I don't know how much time, a lot of time, maybe 200, 300, 400 hours on it, preparing. And then it just, poof, it's like, okay, Lord, now what do you have for us? So that year continued to go on, and we got back into the building. We started worshiping again. Praise God. That was awesome. And then in the fall or winter, early winter of 2020, everybody on our leadership team got COVID. <laughs> and so we basically had to kind of like, okay, we're going to shut things back down again. 
And during that period of time, the owners of the building called and said, hey, we sold it. So you guys have to be out by Christmas Eve. It's like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? What is going on? And I'm not joking. Two days after that message from the owners of the building, the Jason, who was then the lead pastor, got a email from another pastor in D.C. saying, hey, I heard you guys are looking for a building. Well, we've heard of this place that's in the Bonaire neighborhood of Arlington. It might be a place where you can land. And so the Lord provided. As it can, you guys know the rest of the story, hopefully, if you don't. The church who was stewarding this building ended up just giving us this building. Just giving us this as a gift, free. Just out of the kindness of their hearts. And so what started as a plan that got smashed into a million pieces then turned into a future that we, I mean, it was beyond our comprehension. We couldn't see that. We couldn't think about that. And I tell you that story for a couple of reasons. One, it's important for the people of this church to know that story because it informs how God works with our church. He takes us to kind of like the brink and he tests us. He takes us to the abyss where it doesn't seem like anything is possible. He takes us to a place of ashes. And then he says, watch what I can do. Because we can't do anything. He's taken us past our ability to act. Past our ability even to have faith that he would act. And then he acts. And that's called grace. He shows us what his grace looks like. In the context of a world that is uncertain, that is corrupt, that's broken, and that's suffering. And that's why I thought this verse was appropriate for this year. Is because if you read this verse out of context, you don't understand that this verse, this promise, this word from God is going to a people who are devastated. This is addressed to the people in exile, to God's people, the Israelites, who had been exiled out of Israel and into Babylon. They had been uprooted. They had been sent away from their homes. They had been oppressed. They had things stolen from them. They had nothing. They were completely at the mercy of a wicked king. Even more than that, the prophet Jeremiah tells us that that evil king, Nebuchadnezzar, he was the instrument of God. So the exile was taking place, not contrary to God's will, but as an expression of God's will for his people. He was disciplining them. He was showing them what it looks like to live apart from him. Because that's how they were living in the land. 
They had forsaken him. They had started worshiping other gods. They had started to use the temple and their worship as basically a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, we'll honor the day that we come into the temple and worship the Lord, and then the rest of the week we'll do whatever we want. And so there was a complete separation of who they were on one day and who they were the rest of their lives. And Jeremiah is actually often referred to as the prophet of wholeness, the prophet of unity, because he is trying to bring back the unity of the person. He's trying to make his audience one in their external world and their external life and their internal world. And so everything that he does in this book is geared towards getting back to your heart and what that looks like. Because that's what God is using the exile to do. He has taken this people out to burn away the facade, to burn away the exterior, to show them what they are actually trusting in. And it wasn't the Lord. And then to call them back, to actually call them to repent, to trust him again. And this is where this verse comes in. In verse 10, he says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. 70 years. So this word that is often used as a way to manipulate people into thinking that God is a vending machine. Well, I guess technically, but it's a vending machine that takes 70 years to give you what you want. Think about that. Think about that especially as somebody who is 60 years old. 60 years old, and you get a word from the prophet, yeah, in 70 years, you'll come back and you'll actually receive what was given to you. Like, Okay, so that means I won't receive it. I'm going to die in exile. This was a somber and a difficult promise for the people to hold on to because it was taking place in this context of exile. And in the New Testament, both in, I mean, I think of the Gospel of Matthew, how it shows Jesus as being taken out of Egypt, going through the waters of his baptism into the wilderness, and then in his crucifixion, exiled, taken outside of the city to be crucified. And First Peter even the book of Hebrews that we've been studying for a long time, the New Testament makes it clear that we are continuing to live as exiles. We, in some ways, are still waiting for this promise. But we're not waiting without hope. We're not waiting without a promised future that we've actually already seen. 
And so as you are looking into this year, I, want, I really want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. Are your hopes, your expectations, what you want out of the next year, are those in line with the reality of being in exile? That might sound cynical in some ways. And I'm not telling you to be cynical because actually what you'll see is that what God does in exile is something actually of much greater worth than we can be, that we can even imagine. But it's happening undercover. It's happening under the surface. It's not as obvious as we might think. And so instead of maybe God saying, I am going to make you very wealthy, and that manifesting into material wealth, maybe instead, how that particular promise manifests in exile for you this year is that you're going to suffer. But God is going to use that suffering to give you wisdom, to show you compassion, to give you endurance, to strengthen your faith in the end. And how much more valuable is that than getting that raise that you want? How much more lasting will that be? How much more will that gift last through the fires of judgment when the Lord returns? Maybe you are really wanting to get married or to find somebody to partner with. And again, these are good desires. I'm not saying to not want those things, right? But here is what I want you to hear. Remember that that desire is located in exile. And sometimes when you're in exile, the desire is not fulfilled in an obvious way. And so if that's you, here's what I want you to put your eyes on. Here's what I want you to look for this year instead of just looking for the external manifestation of that longing. Look for how Jesus is showing himself to be sufficient for you right now so that you can have a meaningful, a full, an enjoyable, a worthy a faithful life, even in a period of singleness that you don't want. This is the pattern that we see throughout the New Testament and then throughout all of this time period of between Jesus' resurrection and his second coming. We see this unseen pattern where God is working secretly behind the scenes in his people's lives. And he's doing things in ways that maybe we don't anticipate, that aren't obvious to us, but in ways that have immense meaning and value, and that actually lead us into a deeper fellowship with him. 
So all of us, we have to face the fact that as we plan, just like our church did, just like we all do in our lives, as we identify and locate the longings that we want met, we have this pattern of longing and fulfillment, but also disappointment. And as we enter into that season, we can remember how God has shown himself to be working in that invisible, quiet way and how it actually answers and fulfills a greater desire than even what is obvious to us. And so in that way, we can say, you know what? This year, God really does want your welfare. This promise isn't just for a people long ago. It really is for us. But it's for us in a different way. It's for us as we continue to wait for that 70 years, as we continue to wait for the end of our exile. And we get this in wonderful ways right now through the Spirit, through life in the Spirit. We get a family, a church. We get freedom from sins as we continue to walk out our sanctification. We get progress in holiness, in how God is forming us into people after his own image. But we don't get it fully. But we have certainty that we are moving closer and closer to the fullness of that promise, to receiving that perfectly. And I can say that because we've seen it. We've seen it. It's Jesus. He is the one who has made it through exile. His crucifixion was the embodiment of what it meant to be living in exile, thrown away from God, away from his presence. But his resurrection and his ascension they fulfill and they show us of our future, of what it means to be called back into the land, into the presence of God, into the, what Jeremiah says, the welfare that he has planned for us, the peace, the shalom, the fullness of what he has planned for us. And so we wait for that. We don't receive it in full until Jesus returns, but we wait for it with anticipation, with faith, with hope. And that's what God is going to do as you engage him this year. And it's going to bless you. And it's going to give you a richness of life beyond what we think. It's going to give you a, riches, a richness of life that is way more valuable than earthly goods, than physical health, way more valuable than your deepest longing because it's bringing you closer into fellowship and communion with him. And that's the future he has planned for you. So partner with him on that. Trust him with that. And do that with one another. Share that with each other. Live transparently 
with each other as we do that, as we push into this year, as we see how God is going to continue to meet us and to bless us and to love us in and through his son. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you that you are the God over the exile, Lord, that although our plans, our hopes, our future um, is subject to change, is subject to um, the influences of a broken world, that your plan forever has remained unchanged and it has not been deterred, Lord that your son has risen from the dead, is seated at your right hand, is interceding for us, and is helping us to realize all of the richness and the fullness of what you have given us. And so, Lord, I ask that we would open our eyes to that promise, that we would receive it with faith, that we would wait for it patiently with yearning, and that you would help us be a church where we do that with one another, not in isolation. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.